May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Today, we're in part three of our message series, More Than a Story. And in this series, we're looking at the most famous stories in the entire Bible. And most of us have heard of these stories because so, they're so often told to little kids. And true to form, I brought back uh, the little kids Bible that we've been looking at every week in this message series. So I want to read the story of Jonah and the whale. And as I read it, I want us to all participate and do the hand motions that go along with it. So even if you're watching by video feed, do the hand motions with us. It'll be fun. Okay, here we go. Jonah was on a boat in a storm. He was thrown into the water and was swallowed by a big fish. Okay, now, everybody wave your hands like, you're, like it's waves in, a, in an ocean, okay? Yeah, okay, very good. Yeah, it, I got the whole motion thing going. All right, here we go. Jonah prayed to God. Okay, put your hands like you're praying. Very good. All right, next. God kept Jonah safe. The big fish opened its mouth and Jonah came out. Okay, take your arms and open your mouth like it's a big fish. Now, we won't practice what comes out, but we'll just do, we'll just do the, the mouth. Okay. <laughs> God watches over you and keeps you safe. The end. Now, we tend not to take stories like that too seriously because, because we tell them on a kid's level. But, but what we forget is that Jonah the whale is a real story about a real guy who faced a real dilemma that saw a real God come through in a real way. And, and see, Jonah the whale, it, it is a great story, but it's, but it's more than a story. In fact, in this story, there are some incredible grown-up lessons that God has for us that he wants us to learn that, will, that God will use to help guide us through life. But those lessons are found in the details of the story. And so we need to take a detailed look at Jonah and the well. And here's the thing. The lessons that we're going to learn today, that God's going to show us today, those lessons not only are going to help us in our life in the present, but these are lessons that if we had learned these years ago, they would have helped us prevent so much heartache and hurt and regret about those things that we did that, you know, looking back on it now, we would say, you know what, I wish I had done that differently. In fact, if I had known then what I know now, I would have done that so differently. And the lessons that we're going to learn today tell us that if we have some of those regrets about our past and some of those hurt and pain from the past, then it helps us, remember, helps us realize that we have hope, that we have not disqualified ourselves from being used by God or from any of God's plans or disqualified from God's love. So all of that said... Go ahead and, and pull out your message notes, and let's start by asking this question. How does the story of Jonah and the whale change my life? How does it change my life? Well, here's grown-up lesson number one. The wrong path and the right path are always before me. The wrong path and the right path are always before me. 
Look how the book of Jonah opens up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, like, you know, Nineveh and Joppa and Tarshish. Okay, none of those names really mean anything to us, okay? But here's the thing. These cities still exist. But over the centuries, they've been conquered and reconquered. They've been named and renamed. But they are still around. And so to help us understand our incredible stage team has created an unbelievable pop-up to help illustrate the story of Jonah and the whale, okay? Now, this is a map of the Mediterranean world in the days of Jonah. And Jonah, when God spoke to him, God told him to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, the city of Nineveh is modern-day Mosul, Iraq. Still there today. So God told him to go there to help those people learn to believe in God. But that's not what Jonah wanted to do. Jonah, for whatever reason, didn't like the people of Nineveh, and so Jonah wanted to flee. And he wanted to flee to a town called Tarshish, which is modern-day Seville, Spain. Now, here's what you got to remember. In Jonah's day, they thought the end of the world was right here. Like, they thought that after you got to this point, like, literally, you fell off the map. Like, this was it. And so, what Jonah did was, he fled to the farthest place on earth he could go to flee from God. I mean, how many people do that today, right? And so, Jonah goes to the town of Joppa on the coast, and Joppa is modern-day Tel Aviv, Israel. And when Jonah gets to Joppa, he's at a crossroad. He's at a crossroad of, I can board a donkey and go this way and follow God's plan, or I can board a ship and go this way and go where I want. And so, he was at a crossroad. One path he could follow God with all his heart, and the other path he could follow what he wanted with all his heart. But both paths stood before him, and it was time to choose. You know what? Same's true for you. Same's true for me. Okay? Look, there are always two paths in front of you, okay? There's the path where you can follow God with all of your heart and do what he wants you to do, or you can follow what you want to do with all of your heart and do what you want to do. With every decision you face, there's a crossroad, and at that crossroad, there's always these two paths. And so like Jonah, you have to choose which way you're going to go. Now, let me tell you some things that are true about that crossroad, okay? Here, these are your fill-ins. Here's the first bullet point. First off, it is not a mystery which way God wants you to go. It's not a mystery which way God wants me to go, 
Okay? Look, Jonah knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Jonah just didn't want to do it. And most of the time, when you're at a crossroad, okay, God does not make it mysterious about what it is that he wants you to do and what it is that would take for you to follow him with your whole heart, to, to completely sell out to him. God makes it plain because he wants you to succeed. And for you to choose any other path is to choose a path away from God's plan for your life. Okay, so, so what does all that look like? You know, for instance... When you're at the crossroad of crossing the line with someone of the opposite sex, okay, it is no mystery what God wants you to do, that he wants you to remain faithful to your spouse. See, when, when you're at the crossroad of making a commitment with your schedule, it is no mystery that God wants you to you know, give spiritual matters some heavy weight in how you make your schedule and determine what you're going to do. It's not a mystery. When you're, when you're standing at the crossroad of what do you do when you've done something that you know is wrong, it's no mystery that God wants you to take responsibility and not just spin things to make yourself look better. See, God doesn't make it mysterious about he, what he wants you to do, okay? Well, if he doesn't make it mysterious, then why don't people do what God wants them to do? Well, that's your next bullet point. Here's why. It's because emotions can cloud my thinking and erode my determination to obey God. Emotions can cloud my thinking and erode my determination to obey God. Well, look, now, we don't know why, but Jonah, he just simply did not like the Ninevites at all. And he let his emotions cloud his thinking, and so Jonah ran from God. See, when emotions get involved, it becomes pretty easy to justify pretty much any action. Okay, I mean, you know this. Look, if you're a Christ follower, you've justified plenty of decisions to God and to yourself. I mean, you know, you've looked for loopholes and exceptions and for reasons why God's guidelines and God's principles and God's law somehow don't apply to your unique set of circumstances, okay? You, you let your emotions cloud your thinking and that erodes your determination to follow God, you know, because, because you justify and you're negotiating, you justify and you, and you negotiate, okay, not to convince God but really to convince yourself that what you want to do is somehow okay. Okay, so what's the solution? The solution is this last bullet point, and that is, I need to choose my path before I get to the crossroad. I need to choose my path before I get to the crossroad. See, Jonah, he should have decided that he was going to obey God long before he ever even showed up at Joppa. Okay, so for you, you've got to determine, determine that right now, no matter what your future circumstances are going to be, and no matter how you feel in those circumstances, you have to determine right now that whenever you get to that point, you are already, you've already decided that you are going to obey God. And you've got to decide that 
before you get to the place where, where you can talk yourself out of it. You've got to decide that before your emotions begin to try to renegotiate God's standards, okay? When, you've got to do it when your heart is not, you know, tr- playing tricks on you and trying to talk you out of obeying God and cloud your thinking, okay? Because look, here's the thing. Emotions are a terrible compass for determining direction in life. Think, think about the things in life that you re, you've done that you regret the most. Almost all of those decisions were made because that's what your heart was telling you to do at the time. You can't listen to your heart. You've got to listen to what God says. Because the heart is deceitful and emotions deceive us. They betray us at, at times. Look, here's the thing. You've got to choose to follow God before you show up at Joppa. You've got to decide to follow God before you get there, before someone hands you a discount ticket to Tarshish and gives you a brochure and everything just looks so great and so promising. You've got to decide before you get there that you're going to follow God with all your heart. Make sense? Okay. Now, let me, let me tell you the story of Jonah just in case for some reason that you, maybe you don't know it or you don't know all the details, okay? Um, sure enough, Jonah does go to Joppa, and Jonah does decide that he is not going to go to Nineveh, but he's going to head to Tarshish, okay? So Jonah books his passage on a ship and starts sailing, and somewhere along the way, we don't know exactly where, but somewhere along the way, God sends a huge storm. And this storm is so violent that the sailors think that they are going to be doomed. And they realize that this storm has to be from God. It's so bad. And it has to be from God. And that God must be angry with someone on their ship. And they, they find out that it's Jonah. And Jonah tells them that the only way that this storm is ever going to stop. The only way they're going to be saved is if they throw him overboard. Well, they don't want to do that because they don't want to risk making God even more mad by also committing murder. So they try even harder, but to no avail. The storm gets worse. worse. And so finally, they pitch Jonah over the side. And literally, as soon as Jonah hits the water, he is swallowed up by an enormous, I get in there, Jonah. <laughs> He's swallowed up by an enormous fish, a huge well. I mean, can, 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 imagine it, picture it. They pitch him over the side, and literally, as soon as he hits the water, just kind of out of nowhere, this enormous whale comes up and just in one gulp just swallows him whole. And then immediately, whoosh, the storm stops. And the sailors are like, Did you just see that? Did you just see that? I mean, I'm sure they were telling that story their whole lives. Well, three days, it's apparently a three-day whale swim back to Joppa, where Jonah started from, and the whale spits Jonah up on the beach, and then Jonah gets on a donkey, and he heads to Nineveh, to do exactly what God told him to do. Now, when Jonah gets to Nineveh, 
he's, it's not like he you know, works real hard to do what God tells him to do. He really doesn't give God his best. He basically just goes to the town square and he says, all right, let me have your attention. God is going to destroy this entire city in 40 days unless you turn to him. That's pretty much all he said. And the whole city falls on their knees and repents and turns to God. I mean, it is incredible what happens. Now, there are tons of amazing lessons in the story of Jonah. I mean, there's lessons about prejudice, and there's lessons about how God overcomes inadequacies, and lessons about how, what should break my heart, lessons about the condition of my heart, about how nothing can thwart God's plans, and the extent of God's power. But I'm telling you, there's one key lesson that I want to spend a little time and hone in on this morning, and that is grown-up lesson number two. And it is this, there are no hopeless situations when it comes to God. There are no hopeless situations when it comes to God. Now, in order for us to really understand this, we need to kind of go back in the story of Jonah and the whale, back to the point where Jonah is inside the belly of the whale. So let's go to, and think about that portion of the story for just a second, And look what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2. It says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I have called for help, and you listened to my cry. Verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Okay, now, Think, think about this just for a moment, all right? Because Jonah, when he told the sailors to throw him overboard, Jonah fully expected to drown. He expected to drown. And can you imagine the panic that as soon as he hits the water, all of a sudden, whoosh, he is swallowed up by a huge fish. Now, we don't know whether it was a whale or like, you know, maybe just like the most enormous shark you could ever imagine because, you know, the Bible just simply says it was a great fish. But the point is, can you imagine how panicked Jonah must have been when all of a sudden, literally, he is swallowed alive? And now he is in a place where, like, remember, Jonah, now he expects to die. He has no idea that this is merely just a taxi ride, okay? He expects to die, and he expects to die the most horrible death by being digested alive. And so Jonah finally cries out to God. By the way, how hard must a person's heart be that they have to be on the verge of being digested before they finally cry out to God? But there's some people that are like that. Jonah was like that. And so he cried out to God. And from inside the fish, he prayed and asked God for help. And God preserved his life for three days until Jonah was back on dry land, finally ready to obey God. Now, I'm not sure how much of a 
more hopeless situation you can find yourself in than being swallowed alive. Okay? But here's the thing, and this is what we learn from Jonah. When it comes to God, there are no hopeless situations. There are no hopeless situations. And I want you to hear from a couple in our church that was facing a hopeless situation, and I want you to hear what God did. So let's go ahead and roll this. My name is Justin Terrell. This is my wife, Jennifer Terrell. The first years of our relationship, I lose my father. In the next few years, right after we get married, I lose my mother. As we're trying to find some normalcy, I start to feel tired, run down, and it wasn't the run down from how hard I was working, it was something, something was off. Before I got the diagnosis of what the mass was in my chest, I, um, the doctor spoke with me. He said he was concerned that he thought it might be something terminal. You, know, you never think it. 28 that you know you're gonna have something really wrong with you so we get through all the chemotherapy for the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and right when you know we think that's done I start seeing double vision they end up doing an MRI and it is CNS lymphoma CNS lymphoma is is a cancer that is devastating. Uh, the double vision ended up not being able to walk and not speaking and then not opening my eyes and then before I even know it, I'm in a coma. When someone comes in with uh, his age without any other medical problems and they can tolerate aggressive therapy with a large cell lymphoma in the chest that big, we expect to cure probably 60% of those, maybe even 70. But once it relapses to the spinal fluid, that drops down to about 20. Once it progresses despite treatment and he goes into a coma, that becomes a very small number. And the fact that even after we got him to not be in a coma, he didn't respond that well, uh, I felt that his chance of having a normal life, lifestyle, not even lifespan, just to become normal again, was less than 1%. I didn't know what to do. You know, I had prayed before God just get us out of this, you know, show me some hope, show me something. And I went into the hospital and I just sat down next to Justin and just cried and just said, Justin, please just talk to me. Just open your eyes, look at me, smile, move a finger. Um, and I didn't get anything that day. So that's when I felt completely desperate. You know, I, I didn't have my husband. I needed, I needed God to step in and I needed him to know that I completely trusted what was supposed to be done. Every day I got up and looked on the computer to see if he was still there. I mean, I, he, he could have died any of those days. One day I walked in there and this was a day I was just, I was praying to God out loud. I was yelling, I was crying and, and his eyes were open, wide open and smiling. And that was, that took me through the rest of the hospital stay. Then every day something else would happen. And then he just started talking. And we went, you know, <laughs> called the nurse in, you know, <laughs> has he been talking all day? You know, and he just, just started getting better. He told me, he said, Justin, it is medically unexplainable for you to be alive. 
I can recall a time when things were at their absolute worst. And most would look at it and think, I mean, this situation is absolutely hopeless. But it was all this steady trail back between, you know, opening my eyes, talking, going to rehab, and, you know, learning how to stand again, and walking with a walker to learn how to walk again. It's nice to look back and see that with God, there are no hopeless situations. Without God, those little steps don't happen. And that's been the most humbling thing, is to know that God had control of the situation the entire time. I didn't even know it. Every time I wake up, I just want to thank God for, for saving my life and giving me this life back. Doing what medically was not supposed to be done. It's a very comforting feeling because I know if he can save my life, I think he's got a pretty good idea of how to take care of me for the rest of my life. Wow. <clears throat> now, you gotta realize, Justin was not a Christ follower when all that happened. It was, it was a, a, at the end of that when he really cried out to God. And that's when God came into his life, when he became a Christ follower. And God changed him and made him whole again. And I'm telling you, when someone in the medical profession says that you have a less than 1% chance at a normal life, and then you cry out to God and you ask him to heal you, and your spouse cries out to God and asks him to heal you, and then months later, you're sitting on a couch telling people your story about how God brought you through all that, I'm telling you, there, when, when it comes to God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Now look, it might feel hopeless when you're in the midst of it, but I'm telling you, with God, there is no such thing as a hopeless, hopeless situation. Now look, I'm not saying that God is going to rescue everybody out of every situation. Look, if that happened, then nobody would ever die. Okay, that, 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 that is just not even realistic. And this is not a guarantee that God is always going to rescue people out of whatever situation. But what I'm saying is this, is that even when a situation looks hopeless, with God, it never really is hopeless. Because with God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. That's what Jonah tells us. In fact, do you want to know what the most hopeless situation that's ever existed is? The most hopeless situation that has ever existed is the cross. The most hopeless situation that's ever existed is the cross. Now, we typically don't think of the cross as, and that, that's your last feeling, by the way. We don't typically think of the cross as the most hopeless situation that's ever existed. Why? Because we know that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Which, by the way, Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 11, I mean Matthew chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 11, he says that the fact that Jonah 
spent three days in the belly of a whale is a foreshadow of the fact that Jesus would spend three days in the belly of the earth and both would eventually emerge alive. I'm telling you, that's why you need to read your Bible, okay? Because if Jesus, tre- I mean, you might find this whole thing about Jonah and the, and the whale like incredibly preposterous, but look, Jesus treated it like a true story, and that gives it incredible validity. Okay, so now, why was the cross such a hopeless situation? It was so hopeless because Jesus had claimed that he was the Messiah, that he was the very son of God, that he was going to be the savior of the world. And he had performed miracle after miracle after miracle to back up these claims. And so literally thousands of people were following Jesus and and even his disciples had left everything to follow him because they believed it. And so when the Romans arrested Jesus and they beat him, They whipped him, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and then they nailed him to the cross. I'm telling you, that situation looked incredibly bleak. And then six hours later, when Jesus died, it became hopeless. And the disciples were grief-stricken, not only because Jesus has died, but also because their hope died too. But just like Jonah, three days later, God came into this hopeless situation and raised Jesus from the dead. And so what was once the most hopeless situation that ever existed now became the most hopeful situation that ever existed. Because when Jesus came out of the tomb, when he rose again on that third day, that proved that he actually did provide forgiveness for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the entire world when he died on the cross. And so now he just simply waits for you to accept his forgiveness. And if someone would accept his forgiveness, they will spend eternity in heaven with God once they die. And during the rest of their time here on this earth, they will have a relationship with God that will help them carry through the remainder of this life. And so Jesus has already done all of that, and now he just simply waits for us to accept that gift of forgiveness and walk in that relationship. And so what was once so hopeless has become so hopeful. Full, which is part of what makes Jonah and the whale more than just a story. It's an incredible story. And it's a story that has some definite next steps for us to take to help bring the reality of that story into our lives. So I want you to find your connection card and let's take some of those next steps together right now. Perhaps it's this first one. Right now, I choose to follow God's path no matter what my emotions tell me later on. That before you get to that crossroad, you've already decided I'm following God. So you'll never talk yourself out of it. Number two, I commit to read my Bible more so that I know God's path for my life. Is that a commitment you need to make? Number three, I choose to believe that with God, there are no hopeless situations. 
I'm not saying it won't feel that way, but I'm saying you're, you're, you're making the declaration that it is not hopeless. Number five. I'm sorry, number four. When my situation feels hopeless, I will remember Jonah and the cross. Because it felt, those two situations felt hopeless too, but they weren't. Number five. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him, there's, there's a sample prayer right on the bottom of your message notes. You can pray that prayer right now. But make sure you check the box because I want to mail you some stuff in the mail that will help you get started. You know, maybe this is, is a decision you've been thinking about for the last few weeks. Well, now's the time to move forward with that decision, okay? Number six. This week, I will read the full account of Jonah and the whale in Jonah chapters 1 through 4. Would you do that? All right, I'm going to give everybody a moment to pray silently to God and ask Him to help you follow through with these next steps. And if you're ready to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to pray that as well. So right now, everybody bow your head and begin to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you that with you there are no hopeless situations, ever. And I thank you that you call us to make a commitment to follow you, come what may, long before we ever get to that crossroad. And so I ask that you would help all of us make that declaration to you. And I ask that you would bring us all back next week so that we can hear more of what you want to say to us and how these stories in the Bible aren't just stories, they're more than stories. And you use them to change our lives. And so I ask you to begin to change ours today and ask you to do all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.